0: We're talking about probably the most unpopular message today in our community, in our culture, and surprisingly even in our world and our church. It's the message of the cross. Not the message of sin, not the message of... Politics, not the message of what we're going to enter in the next three weeks, of addressing what the world, what's happening in the world around us and how God has designed the church to respond. But not today. Today we're going to look at the foundation of why we believe what we believe. And why there truly is hope for each of us today. As we enter into this 10-week small group season. This message today. The power of the cross is the foundation of small groups. And we want you to discover, to discover the power of the cross in your own life. And in the small groups around. About what the cross means to you. In the next four weeks, as I just kind of alluded to. We're going to address some very intense stuff. And as pastor here at Elevation Community Church and the calling on my life, we are not going to shy away from addressing real truths with the real truth, the word of God. But here's the thing, soaked in real grace and love. And so the next three weeks, I want to challenge you to be here. Because this is, I believe, an important message for the body of Christ. So the cross is going to be the pivotal linchpin of the next three weeks. You see, our culture, if you haven't noticed, I think we all have. Our culture is always looking for the newest and the latest best thing. I mean, just look the past hundred years, how far we've come. There's a blessing in it, but there's also that curse of always looking for the next thing. We're looking for the newest solution to bring us health and happiness. We're always looking. I think even churches open their doors and people come in, they're looking for the answer. And my prayer today is that every church around the world will give this answer to people who are looking for the next best thing. The best thing that has ever happened in all of history happened 2,000 years ago. And it was Christ laying his life down and dying your death on the cross. Here's a quote I found in an article, and I just, I'll just let you experience it. The most glorious move of God on the face of the earth was when God openly and publicly displayed his Son. As the sin offering for the world. And he made a way for us to walk in his resurrection power. The one message that is the most important message for you today. Is the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. All other things pale in, uh, in light of the face of the crucified Christ. The most important message for you today is Christ crucified for you. And so I, I walked up on the stage today, just trembling for the message that I get to bring today. I'm not worthy to even be able to talk about God's amazing power, let alone his cross. And so as you participate, please don't just listen. Participate. Write things down. You can respond if you agree. Whatever works for you, but I want you, I want you to be involved in this incredible life-changing message. And I want to read a scripture to you, and I, I just make this my prayer. We, we had probably about 20 to 25 people this morning Before you all arrived, praying for you. Setting the environment and the atmosphere for the Lord to come and move in your hearts. I don't know what church you've come uh, from, I don't know what kind of spiritual background you have. But there is only one person that can change your heart. You wanna change your spouse? You can't. There is only one person who can change the heart of your spouse. You wanna change your kids? Hi, buddy. You can't. There's only one who can change your kids. There is only one who is the keeper of each one of our hearts. And that is God Almighty. And because Jesus died and arose, he sent his spirit, the presence of God. And that Holy Spirit is what convicts you of sin. That Holy Spirit is what opens your eyes to the things of God. That Holy Spirit brings the word of God to life in you to realize your need for Jesus. It is only the spirit of God that changes your life. And so as I read these words, just keep that at the forefront of your minds. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. When I first came to you, Paul speaking I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom To tell you God's secret plan For I decided that while I was with you I would forget everything Except Jesus Christ And him crucified I came to you rather in weakness Timid and trembling And my message and my preaching were very plain. I'm so thankful for that because my vocabulary is so small. So thank you for bearing with me. But it's God who speaks. It's God's words that I pray you will hear today. Rather than using clever or persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. And so what I want to do for the next two minutes is I want to lead you in just a moment of prayer. But here's the thing. I don't know about you, but I find myself when I am sitting out here that I just allow the person speaking up here to pray for me. I was never created, and my purpose as a pastor Was never to pray for you. I'll pray for you. But I won't do the praying for you. That is something that is given as a gift to you and God. To communicate. And as we pray. I want us to remember. Who it is we're praying to. Who it is that his presence is in me and in every person who has received Jesus as Lord. He's here. He wants to hear from you. And so I'm going to pray and talk to my Father, but I'm asking that you would pray for me as well and pray that you would be able to hear and understand And apply what he's teaching us. Let's get serious. Let's get serious. About the presence of God. Holy. Holy Father, perfect Father. There is no one, there is no one on earth or in heaven like you. No one like you, God. This is a holy moment where we get to experience you. Father, I pray right now that you would take over and you would override my words, my thoughts, override it all, Father. And I pray, God, I pray that my family here and those listening would not hear Phil Nelson speak. they would hear your life-changing word and be transformed into your likeness. God, forgive me. Forgive us as a church when we've made it about us. It is all about you. And I pray for the awakening that I just feel you stirring in our midst. I pray that you would awaken our hearts to your heartbeat, to your voice. You would awaken our eyes to see you working around us. You would awaken us to the fact that our days are short. You are coming again, Lord Jesus. You are coming to make all things new and all things right and all things perfect. But you're calling us to be prepared and ready. And there is no greater message to be prepared for than the message of the power of the cross. And so, Lord, do what only you can do. We pray this all in the most incredible, majestic, awesome, mind-blowing name, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to read through our chapter for the day, Mark 15. And um, the scripture, the verse that is in yellow is for you to read. And so I'm going to pull back a little bit and let you read out loud because I want us to read together. And because this is a long passage, it's going to be very easy to drift away. So let's read this together, understanding the power that is in this passage about what Jesus Christ did for you. And soon as it was morning, the chief priest held a, con- consult- a, con- a consultation. Thank you. Remember that vocabulary? Yeah, the, the word. Yeah. Consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council. Here we go. And they. And Pilate, he was the governor at that point, Pilate asked, Are you. The king of the Jews. And he answered, you have said so. And the chief priest accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus made no further answer. So Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels. Come on. Barabbas. Mm. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them saying, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him up. And Pilate. Oh, excuse me, but the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas. And Pilate again said to them, "Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews?" And they cried out again And Pilate said to them, "Why?" What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. We're going to stop there. If your Bibles are open, keep that there. But I just want to stop, and I want to show you A video to where you start to understand what is happening here and where and why this man Barabbas is in this picture. Go ahead and watch.
1: We see the story of Jesus going to the cross and everything seems to kind of be hand in hand. And then there's this one character that seems to interrupt the narrative. His name's Barabbas. Barabbas we don't even know much about him except that he's a murderer, a leader of an insurrection, a rebel. And why he's even mentioned, sometimes I'm not so sure. It's like, what? Let's, this is about Jesus going to the cross. So in this moment, Pilate thinks, I hold the destinies of these two men in my hand. I know the Jews have a tradition that on a holy day, I will release one of the prisoners on death row. Pilate stands on this audacious stage Who now presents Jesus, son of the living God, versus Barabbas, the thug and rebel. He says, all right, who do you want? This is blasphemy. This is, this has gone too far. There's no comparison. This is a rightful prisoner. A man who should be on death row. He's a rebel against Rome. He leads a a rebellion. He murders people. He's a bad man, he's a thug, and he's a crook. He deserves the chains, and he deserves the crucifixion. Jesus? What has he done but heal, restore, deliver, set free, open blind eyes, open deaf ears, heal the lame and the leper? What what has Jesus done? Who do you want? We, We want Barabbas. Yeah. Give us Barabbas.
0: And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion. And they. Cl- when God created the earth, the heavens, and the earth in Genesis, everything. Was of complete perfection. Everything was perfect, blameless, as it was supposed to be and as it will be one day. But there were no thorns in creation. What? Yeah. Read in Genesis where. Adam and Eve fall in sin and fall away from the perfect plan of God. And all these consequences of sin happen. And they are rejected and and cast out of the perfect garden. To toil the land, to work with their hands, I mean just without God. Without the perfect holy God and there were thorns that were produced and it would the whole purpose of thorns would to be to choke and to kill life and thorns represented sin because there were no thorns until sin was present now discover what Jesus is doing the soldiers who were mocking him had no clue that they were fulfilling scripture they were taking our sin the thorns our sin that choke us and crush us and they were placing them on the lord's head he was taking our sin upon himself how incredible How amazing. How awful. That he who knew no sin became your sin. So that we might be the righteousness of God. You know what that means? So that we may be right again with God. It's the thorns that divide us from the holy presence of God. And Jesus took them. And placed him on himself. To where he began to bleed. As a symbol of what he was going to do. To cover all sin. That's the power of what Jesus is doing here. Let's discover more. And they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his clothes on him. I'm just going to say, if you have seen The Passion of Christ, they depict this very well. He was scourged And beaten to the point of unrecognition. You could not recognize who he was. He had open wounds all over his body. So imagine clothes sticking to your body. And it being ripped from you. This is what we're talking about here. This is not just a movie, a script, an R rated movie that we watch and we get over. This really happened. For you. For you. You don't think you're loved? Think again. You don't think you have a purpose? Look again. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. Let's read together. And they led him out. Next. And they compelled the passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexandra and Rufus, to carry his cross. This was not just to fulfill a Bible story of Simon. Jesus could not carry the cross He was beaten to the point of death. Most people who would go through the lashes and the beating and the scourging wouldn't even make it to the cross. But he had a price to pay, and that price was on your head. You're bought with a price. Your life matters. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh to take away the pain. They didn't have pain meds at that point or morphine or anything like that. But he did not take it. And they crucified him, divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And And the inscription on of the charge against him that was on the cross above his head read the king and with him one on his right and those who passed by derided him Wagging their heads and saying, "Aha! You who would destroy the temple, you who witnessed and evangelized and said you were the son of God, you who would rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross." So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, "Let the Christ, the King of Israel." Come down now from the cross that we may see and believe those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Do you understand that Jesus being God, he, he really could have called 10,000 angels from on high. He could have literally done the act of all time and come down off the cross. But he didn't. Why? He had something to settle. And it was his love, his love for me, that held him there. It was my sin that held him there. It was my rebellion against God that held him there. Those who were crucified with him also. Reviled him. And when the sixth hour? I want us to understand how long Jesus was on the cross. According to the Jewish time system, Jesus' trial with Pilate ended right around 6 a.m., the third hour at 9 a.m., the crucifixion begins. The sixth hour at 12 p.m., darkness begins to fill and cover the land. And the ninth hour, 3 p.m., Jesus dies. The ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani? Which means, my God, My God, why have you forsaken me? You see, Jesus never, ever, he created creation. Jesus, God Almighty. Jesus, the Son, left the throne to die for us. Never, ever did he experience separation from the Father ever that's what sin did to mankind jesus was always one with the father while he was on earth and while he was doing his ministry he had the holy spirit the presence in him filled him because he was god but he was also human he knew nothing but oneness with the father and here, because your sin was placed on him and pierced him to the cross, he had to be separated from his father. His father had to literally turn his back on his son. And Jesus going, What? What's, what's happening? That I've never experienced this before. God, God, where where have you gone? He's experienced what we experience. God, where are you? I need you. I'm lost without you. He had to experience that. And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he's calling Elijah the prophet. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him uh, uh, to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. What they didn't realize is Elijah had already come in the form of John the Baptist to prepare the way for the Savior. And the curtain, excuse me, and Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his very last breath. And the curtain... And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in the way he breathed the last. This is the man who was a part of his battalion mocking him, beating him, gambling for his robe. He said, truly. Truly. I want to take you back for a minute to the Old Testament where there was a complete separation between man and God. God's presence could not abide with men, and if it did, they could not handle it. And so, this is after He delivered them from uh, Israelites from the bondage of the Egyptians. And they're now in the wilderness, still having a hard time trusting in what God said he was, and what he said of them and to them. And because man could not dwell with God in the same room or space, they sent their leader, Moses, who God gave favor on. And Moses would have to go up this huge mountain called Mount Sinai, still there today, spend days and nights talking with God. Can you imagine Moses literally in the presence of the most mighty, perfect, holy God. And yet he's still living and breathing. He didn't die. But he didn't see the fullness of God either. And so God gives Moses this message through thundering and lightning. Read it in Numbers. And then Moses comes down. From the mountaintops, mountaintop, to tell the Israelites what God is saying. And this went on and on through history that God spoke to a holy anointed person to be the messenger, the spokesman or spokeswoman for the kingdom of God. And this is all changing at the cross. Because in the, in the temple where they worshipped God, among other things, there was a curtain. And that curtain divided the holy, most holy place where God abided and dwelt. He didn't dwell in people. He couldn't. There was no penalty. There was no, there was no payment for the penalty of sin. And that curtain that could never be separated, even if oxen were pulling on either side... Split not from the bottom to the top, but from the top to the bottom. This is so weighty and important and pivotal for us today. We need to understand the power of the cross. That when Jesus said it was finished, the curtain split. God was telling mankind that no longer... No longer do we need to have to try to pay for our sin. No longer do we have to offer sacrifices. Can you imagine you having to bring your dog or bring a spotless lamb, a sacrifice to church every Sunday to pay for your sins? To hopefully experience the presence and the favor and the blessings of God? Jesus paid it with his blood. And the curtain split. I love how it says it in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. Good for all time. This is good news, y'all. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits Jesus waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. For he says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds, the power and the hope of the cross. And when sins have been forgiven, read that last line with me, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. I I don't say this sarcastically, but I'm starting to realize my call as a pastor. And my call is to never, ever be your Moses. I am not called to tell you what God is speaking to you. I am not called for you to come in Sunday morning and me to lay out the buffet, the spiritual buffet, to feed your faces so that you're good for the rest of the week. The veil was torn so that you, you, and you could enter into the most holy place, the presence of God, and talk to God yourself. That, the power of the cross... And I understand it's very difficult to understand the dynamics and the magnitude of this because we've always had the presence of God available to us through Jesus. But those who had to go through the sacrifices and the offerings and not experience the presence of God understood the shift in the atmosphere. God with us. God in us. And some of you, this breaks my heart because I've been praying for you this week. Some of you think you're a Christian. You come to church and you're starting to believe what is being said. And you love the worship and you love what is happening. And you love the feeling that you get when you're here. But you have never had the spirit of God living inside of you. When the veil was torn God said I will Dwell Among my people And a sign That a person Is sealed With the blood of Jesus And saved from their sins Is where the spirit of God Takes over In your heart You know a prayer to pray If you want that God I believe in your son, and I believe in the power of the cross. I believe in the blood of Jesus, and now I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to come and live inside of me. That's what it means to be dead to yourself and to allow Christ to live in you. Have you experienced the presence of God in your life? If not, you need to die to yourself and everything that you cling to. For instance, let's just say all these are your possessions, your dreams, your wants, your status, your reputation, your family, your kids... I'm not judging anybody, but we hear all the time, and I've even been c- convicted of saying it that you know, my wife is my world, and I love her to death, and I don't know what I would do without her. And my kids are everything to me, but Jesus is my world. Jeez, my kids didn't die on the cross for me. My wife did not lay her life down as a sin offering for me. And so we carry all these possessions and all these desires and passions. And what God is calling us to do is say, if this is what you desire, if you need hope, you have to lay it down. And you have to cling to the cross. That's what it means to cling to the cross because there's power in the name of Jesus who died and shed his blood on the cross and what even makes it even better of what our christian faith hinges on is not just the cross but the empty grave the empty grave he's alive why are you still wearing your grave clothes what are your grave clothes there anything That separates you from the presence of God. Now, if you're a believer, nothing can separate us from His love. So I'm not saying that, but I'm saying anything that gets in the way of your oneness with the Father, those grave clothes need to come off because they don't belong to you anymore. They belong to the cross. God showed how much He loved you by sending His one and only Son so that we may have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that you loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son on the cross as a sacrifice to take away all of our sins. So here's my question for you today. What are you going to do with the cross? It's been presented to you today, not by man, but I pray by the Holy Spirit you hear what he's speaking to you. What are you going to do with the blood that was shed for you? And what are you going to do about the holy presence of God that is available to you? And what we're going to provide is an opportunity for communion. And I understand the service may run a little late. That's okay. We need to sit in this moment for a moment. If two of our elders wouldn't mind preparing communion, we're going to do it in a very different way we're going to have communion elements available right at the base in the foot of the cross. So if you do come forward to take the elements, you need to stop for a moment. And you need to find your nail that held your Savior to the cross. There is power in communion. Not power... In the elements. This is just juice. And bread. We did not do something over the elements. Before we brought them out. But there is power. When we as a body. Stop. And remember. That Jesus shed his blood for you. That Jesus died to make a way for you to be with him forever. There's power in the cross. And there's something powerful about communion that you're going to take today. Because I believe that as you look to the power of the cross and you start to lay those things down, your grave clothes that have been held holding on to you for so long, there's going to be a sense of freedom in your life. You need to lay it down your anxiety your fear your your need for control in your life you need to lay it down because he laid it all down for you you don't have to worry anymore it's covered in blood but i also want to give a warning if you have sin in your life that you have not confessed to the father Don't come forward until you do. This is a holy moment where you are communing with the Holy Father. Repent means to turn away and run to the cross. That's what it means to repent. It's not a religious word. means to turn to Jesus and to run to him. And some, some of you may have unresolved conflict in relationships in your life. Maybe there's forgiveness that needs to be offered or asked for. Maybe you have wronged someone in this body or you've been offended, or your relationship was impacted in a way that has ruined your friendship. The Bible says to go get right with that person before you take the Lord's communion. Can I tell you something? I haven't taken communion in about four months. Today, I'm going to take it. It's because I've been working through some relational stuff. And through God's grace, he's brought reconciliation. But sometimes, friends, it's a process. Sometimes it takes three days and one encounter. But sometimes it takes ten encounters. And working at it. Why is it worth it? It's because you were worth it that Jesus went to the cross. So yeah, we can get right with our brother and sister. So I want to encourage you. We're going to play a song. And I want to encourage you with every step you take to the communion elements. I want you to understand the steps Jesus took to the cross. And every step he took, he thought of you. And he knew he was going to be your hope and your salvation. So this is your time. But if you don't mean it and it doesn't have value to you, just sit and listen to the music and let God speak to you. Let's have communion and get right with the cross.